You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Thousands have gathered for a peaceful protest this evening, drawing attention to racism in Canada and the steps we all have to take to solve it. That crowd numbering anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000, depending on the time of day, according to the BPD. At its peak, it might have been closer to 10,000. They all started showing up there just prior to 4 o'clock. That protest still going strong. Good evening and thanks for joining us. That is where we begin tonight as the difficult conversation about systemic racism begins. That's right. Thousands gathered at Jackpool Plaza, the second major rally to take place in Vancouver. Paul Johnson has been there since the very start. And Paul, it's been underway for a couple of hours now. Take us through what's been happening there. Chris, uh, well, they've been speaking um, and they've been playing music. They have been dancing. And I would say this, Chris, if you're a politician or you're a policymaker and you're watching this, you would be wise to pay attention to this fact. This movement is young people. Uh, there are a handful of people over middle aged here, but the vast majority of the people here are under the age of 30. Many are under the age of 20. And racial justice is an issue they care about big time. A gripping moment at the start of Friday's rally. Thousands of people of all races, most of them young, taking a knee and holding a fist in the air. A gesture of defiance that started in the black power movement of the 1960s. 50 years later, it lives on in Vancouver. George Floyd. For the second time in a week, they took to the streets of Vancouver in the thousands, sharing stories of their encounters with racism and their hopes of a more equitable future. Most tell us they think the situation in Canada is better than in the U.S., but still not where it needs to be. I believe that systemic racism should uh, not be perpetrated, and I think being in person, even amidst a pandemic, is probably the best way to support that even in Canada. Black Lives Matter. I'm American, it hits close to home. I just want to make sure we support the black community. It's more important now, more than ever, for our generation to come out and be active. You know, that's really what is important for our generation and it shows, you know, we all come out, came out last week, came out here, and we'll keep doing it, you know? If you talk to the black Canadians at these rallies, you often hear a story of a negative encounter with police that they believe was racially motivated. Jeremiah says as a teenager, an RCMP constable pointed a gun at him in a situation he says wasn't warranted. For me, this is more of a celebration. Like, I love Vancouver so much after seeing how many people, how many different types of people are coming to uh, support, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I feel like as a black man in Vancouver, I felt very ignored and, and very unheard, but like this past week it's been such a revelation and like i'm just i'm just like overwhelmed with love get the sense that's the way that was supposed to be down there tonight paul what time is it supposed to wrap up well their official end time was seven o'clock i wouldn't be surprised at all if it goes beyond that i think there's possibly more than ten thousand people down here right now they're still pretty fired up and from the looks of it there's a long list of speakers and I think they're going to let everybody speak who wants to talk tonight. Chris? A lot of passion in that crowd for sure. Thanks very much, Paul. Sure. 
Now, the man behind today's protest is the same young man who organized the rally at the art gallery last weekend. It says it's important for Canada to shine a light on its own problems with racism. Our Jordan Armstrong is live also at Jackal Plaza with more on that part of the story. Uh, Jordan, you spoke with Jacob Calendar Prasad about why he felt compelled to do something. That's right, Sophie. Jacob wants this to be a powerful event, and it certainly is, but he also wants it to be peaceful. So if there was any trouble tonight, so far there hasn't been, but if there was any trouble, he would be the first to condemn it. Last night, I spent several hours with Jacob and his family. Their stories are painful to listen to, but they are stories they need you to hear. Jacob Callender Prasad is as British Columbian as they come, born and raised in this province. So what was it like to grow up here? It's been hard, but I'm also very fortunate as well. But it has also been very hard in the school system. I've been bullied for being black. I used to have kids put pencils in my hair. I used to have kids call me African booty scratcher and call me a monkey and try to play monkey in the middle with me. I had kids ask me if they can use different words to describe who I was. There's, I didn't even realize there were so many different words to describe the N-word. Jacob says he told his teachers, but nothing changed. They'd say that if we don't see it, we can't do anything about that. And that is a large reality, not only for me, but for a lot of youth, that black youth in this country face. They also face racial profiling by law enforcement. I turn the corner and he takes his gun out and just points it at me like this, screaming, get on the ground, get on the ground. We first met Jacob in 2017, a few months after he was wrongfully detained by RCMP. The then 17-year-old was handcuffed and misidentified as a suspect wanted for attempted murder. All of this while picking up tea and cookies for his mom at the corner store. And then I got arrested and I was crying, I was scared. The 17 year old in his home community being arrested not knowing what he did. For that ordeal, Jacob was offered a $25 gift card for the movie theater and a tour of the Burnaby RCMP detachment. In the three years since, he says he's been detained twice more by the Mounties. The last time it happened on Victoria Day, a cop stopped me in North Vancouver and said we got reports of an aggressive black male in the area threatening people and attacking them. That's not who I am. Who he is, is a gifted communicator. And for that skill and many others, he credits his grandmother, Nalda. I have um, built a strong fence around us and around them by letting them know who they are and to accept who they are. So although on the outside, you know, he's basically stripped by other people, you know, based on the color of his skin, he knows when he comes home, we build him up because he's in a space, he's in a culture that's all about have cultural pride. And to a child experiencing racism today, Jacob says, speak up. Talk to your parents, to your friends, know that you're loved, know that the community supports you, know that no matter what you're going through, love yourself and accept yourself. And this is a live shot of the crowd in Jackpool Plaza. Now, Jacob also has a message for the police, and that message is police need to be properly trained and held accountable, as he puts it, to serve and protect isn't about picking and choosing. As you heard, Jacob has had a couple of negative experiences with the RCMP, but there is strong mutual respect between him and the VPD. Sergeant Cindy Vance was once Jacob's school liaison officer back when he was in high school, and we caught up with her earlier this afternoon.
speaking with the inspectors and various people throughout the department. They are very impressed by him and, uh, and very proud that he is uh, a graduate of the v VSB um, and someone that we've had an opportunity to work with in the past. And uh, I, the, the thing that I think the great thing about Jacob is that he gets the bigger picture. He understands the importance of getting the message out, which we agree as well is so important. But in order to do that effectively, you need to do it peacefully. And that's when people will listen to you. The crowd starting to thin out a little bit, but still thousands of people here. Vancouver Police at this point estimating at its peak as many as 10,000. And that crowd just extends well beyond Jackpool Plaza, at least down to Burrard Street. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong live at Jackpool Plaza. Well, of course, protests took place all over the country today. One anti-racism rally currently underway now in Winnipeg. This was the scene earlier with crowds gathering in front of the Manitoba Legislative Building. Protesters chanting and decrying racism and police brutality. Organizers are hoping for a peaceful protest this evening. While police will be monitoring the situation, they will not be out in force tonight. Following a demonstration at the legislature, protesters will march through the streets of Winnipeg. And as you can see, passionate pleas for change echoing through the streets of downtown Toronto. The march against anti-black racism taking place this afternoon. Thousands participating in the hours-long demonstration. Some retailers boarded up their storefronts ahead of the protests, which appear to have remained peaceful. And in a poignant moment, Toronto's police chief and other officers took a knee in solidarity. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made an appearance at the anti-racism march in Ottawa. He, alongside security guards, joined thousands on Parliament Hill. Trudeau made his way through the crowds before kneeling on the ground in solidarity with the demonstrators. The march, which began at the Hill, meandered peacefully through the streets with huge crowds gathering outside the U.S. Embassy. Now, in the aftermath of George Floyd's death in the U.S. and many others, some cities in North America are debating whether police agencies should be defunded and some of the money redirected. Some would like to see the money diverted to health and community initiatives. And as Rumina Dea reports, a Vancouver City Councillor says that discussion needs to happen here, too. The death of black American George Floyd while in police custody has reignited the debate over defunding police, not just south of the 49th parallel. I've received about 1,200 or more emails from residents uh, asking calling for us to defund the police. Vancouver City Councillor Christine Boyle says it's time to look at redirecting police dollars to better address racism, mental health and other community challenges. Uh, it's more than a fifth of our city budget as a whole. It's something like 340 million. I'm having a hard time pulling the numbers up at the end of the week, but uh, it's, a, it's a significant portion of the city budget. Um, it's been growing uh, faster than the city budget as a whole. The police budget for the bosses, says the VPD, but based on the data. And I know our calls for service are still, they're still up there. I know my colleagues on the road are working diligently. I know my colleagues in our investigative sections are working diligently. 
on, on all these files. So there isn't a need for police because people are calling 911. In Los Angeles, reports say the mayor is considering cutting $150 million from its $1.8 billion police budget and pumping the money into initiatives to better serve communities of color. While Floyd's death has opened the world's eyes, Victoria's mayor is approaching the debate with caution. The police officers here on the ground in Victoria are absolutely stretched um, in terms of the amount of work that they're carrying, the amount of work that they're doing. Um, So, yeah, if that's the conversation that, uh, that we need to have as a community, I think it'll be a very difficult conversation. Floyd's death has catapulted us into an era of defunding, says the province's former top cop. Your budget and your amount of officers that you have does not equate to increase public security. And we have to be cognizant of that. It's how you deploy the resources you have. As the pressure builds to do things differently, the battle over budgets will be intense. Romina Dea, Global News. And we'll keep monitoring that situation at Jackpool Plaza and we'll go live a little bit later. Well, the long climb back from record unemployment, businesses struggle to recover from the hit they've taken during the COVID pandemic. But there are reasons to be optimistic. That's in just over a minute. And where are you from? I'm from Toronto, Canada. A young girl from Canada stuns the judges and the crowd with a masterful performance coming up on the news hour. And a dog miraculously survives being swept into the sea by a landslide. The rescue later. The news is very good today from provincial health officials on the COVID-19 pandemic in our province. We have just one new case. That's the lowest daily number we've seen since early March. Our total cases now stand at 2,633. Sadly, there has been another death in Langley Lodge, and that means we've now lost 167 people to complications from the virus. There are 21 people in hospital, also a low figure not seen since the middle of March. Five of them are in ICU. In total, 2,272 people have recovered, which leaves us with 194 active cases. All right, when it comes to jobs, there's both good and bad news in the B.C. and Canadian job numbers for the month of May. Here in B.C., the unemployment rate climbed to its highest level ever. But it appears the rebound from COVID-19 is starting to strengthen, and job numbers are already climbing, uh, climbing back. Brad McLeod reports. Those in the capital city appear to be shopping. Lineups at some stores downtown a potentially promising picture of business unusual. Well, new employment numbers from StatsCan give a glimpse at what happened last month. Over 43,000 jobs were created. But we also know that others were not able to find employment right away. And so that in fact increased our unemployment to 13.4%. And since the pandemic began, we've seen more than 353,000 jobs lost. Roughly 1.2 million Canadians who were accessing the Canada Emergency Response Benefit no longer need this help. Canada-wide unemployment hit 13.7%, breaking the record set during the height of the 1982 recession. Young people have been severely impacted. The youth unemployment rate hit 28.9%. Service industry jobs hit hard by COVID closures, leading to some cities finding creative solutions. 
Starting Monday, June 8th, restaurants and businesses of all sorts will have the opportunity to expand their patios, sell their goods and their services on sidewalks, streets, neighborhood squares, and plazas. This block of Government Street will become pedestrian only. We assume that we're going to get half of this shared space. At Popular Irish Times, they've already mapped out where 100 additional patio seats will go. Increased capacity could mean more jobs. We are in the process of hiring back more as we enter phase two and we get approval on our patio. We've sent a draft to the city and uh, we're excited to hear back what they have to say. Now, despite the full parking spots and busier shops, a note of caution from the province. We are beginning to see some glimmers of increased confidence, but we also know we have a long road ahead of us to recovery. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. And Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria with more on the economic picture in this province. Mm-hmm. As Carol James said, Keith, it is going to be a long road ahead of us. Certainly is. And look, taking a look at Central One Credit Union's weekly analysis of the BC economy shows just what a long road we face. Uh, I want to start with some numbers. Uh, the most encouraging number is that the housing sales right now, the housing prices remain steady despite a freefall in sales. But our sales to China, one of our big trading partners, are down a whopping 18.9% from last year. Imports are down 22% because the retail market has basically evaporated. It's just coming back to life. And the most uh, depressing part of all is the global growth is, is set for the worst year since the Great Depression. I guess the best news, Sophie, could be that April may be as bad as it's going to get in terms of jobless numbers and business failures, but it's going to be a struggle, I think, for a number of businesses to survive for a number of months as we all try to get back, not to the old normal, but the new normal, which will mean some businesses are going to fail. But it's going to be a, a, a long recovery. But at least I think the recovery is beginning. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Well, more businesses and services are now restarting operations, but there is still an ever-growing wait list of people who need to take a driving test. Normally, about 7,500 tests are done each week, but since March 17th, they've all been put on hold. And as Richard Zussman reports, for some people, the delay is devastating. Jonathan Dooling is ready to test out his skills. The problem is, ICBC won't let anyone grade him. A business I've worked blood, sweat and tears on to build uh, could collapse. ICBC suspended all road tests on March 17th due to COVID-19. Dueling had a test booked and he can't operate this vehicle until he passes. He needs to drive the truck to work cherry season and put food on his family's table. Since March, more than 50,000 road tests have been cancelled. The province still has no plan on when they will resume. It's entirely dependent on the availability of personal protective equipment. Uh, we're talking about uh, about 20,000 driver's license tests a month. So that's a lot of masks and a lot of equipment for both the uh, examiners and the uh, students who are taking the test. On Friday, Manitoba resuming Class 1 road tests for truck drivers. Prior to those tests starting, all drivers must provide their own mask, answer questions about whether they've been exposed to COVID-19, and sanitize touch points in their vehicle. Saskatchewan has also been conducting tests for weeks. Saskatchewan, you have uh, instructors following a vehicle, talking to the driver via Bluetooth. You can do this in parking lots, in empty parking lots. There is a way to get around this. ICBC has ruled out using trailing vehicles because they say it would reduce the number of tests that could be done. They also have ruled out plexiglass between the driver and the evaluator because often the evaluator needs to take control of the vehicle. 
it's important to note that someone still needs to be in the uh, passenger seat beside the driver to take control of the vehicle in the event that the driver is driving unsafely and they're not ready yet for their license. Global News has also heard from many parents worried their kids can't get a license and therefore can't get to their jobs. This is about getting people out working so they can actually contribute to the economy and contribute to their families. ICBC is hoping to have a plan approved by WorkSafe BC next week in order to start resuming those road tests. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Still ahead, an update on the rally against racism. Jackpool Plaza is jammed with people. We will have a live report from the scene next. And later, a growing demand for answers in the death of Chantal Moore during a wellness check in New Brunswick. extra traffic and pedestrians around Jackpool Plaza right now dealing with delays on Hastings, Pender and Cordova. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. I of the protest at Jackpool Plaza. Returning now to our top story, thousands of people gathered at Jackpool Plaza today in protest of racism and police brutality. Our Paul Johnson has been there all afternoon covering the rally. He's still there along with thousands of uh, protesters uh, hanging in there. Paul, what's the situation now? Well, Sophie, we're now about two and a half hours into this demonstration, and it's still going strong. There's possibly still 10,000 people here, still very fired up, a long list of people here still poised to speak. And within about the past hour, there was an emotional crescendo here. They had a music break, and they played a song by Tupac Shakur. He's a rapper from the 90s, and there was a bit of a rush onto the stage. We went down there, and I had a little moment to chat with Jacob Callender Prasad. He's one of the organizers of this rally and the rally that happened on Sunday. Here's a bit of my moment with him. This is amazing. This is the community all together as one. It's showing that change is going to come and change is starting right here today. Look at the people behind us. Look at everybody on stage. Every culture, every ethnicity has come together today in the city to support one time together. This is powerful and this is what the movement is. Peace over violence, always. You know, I've been listening to a lot of the speakers here, and some of the most gripping stories have come from young Canadian black men who've told stories about how they've been harassed or contacted by police when they weren't doing anything wrong. They were coming home from playing with their friends, playing sports, or just hanging out, and they felt like they were contacted specifically because of their race. It's an ongoing problem that they say still happens even in a country like Canada. Sophie. Wow. Some incredible moments there, Paul. Thanks for that. All right, obviously the organizer uh, behind today's protest is stressing to anyone who participates that it is a peaceful protest in solidarity against racism. He spoke to Jordan Armstrong a little while ago as well, too. That's a good message, Jordan, especially because a lot of people brought their children down there to participate. Chris, they did, and we just heard the crowd chant, no justice, no peace, but as you mentioned, this protest has been remarkably peaceful tonight. We spoke with a young mother who brought her two young daughters down here, one of them just three years old. They both had handmade signs. And when the mother looked out at the crowd and saw the thousands of people in attendance, it brought her to tears. No words can describe everything that I'm seeing because 
I know that it's for a better future for all of us, for our next generation. And all I can see is just beautiful people supporting each other. It makes you emotional. Yeah, it does. Now, Chris, just wanted to mention quickly, of course, this is happening during COVID-19, but I want to stress there is a heavy emphasis here from organizers on doing uh, people doing their best to maintain physical distancing. I would say the majority of people down here are wearing a mask. As a matter of fact, at the very beginning, they mentioned to anybody, if you didn't bring a mask, they had hundreds of extras to go around. Back to you. Thinking ahead. Good thing. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, there is an urgent demand for more answers in the death of an Indigenous woman from B.C. who was shot by a police officer in New Brunswick. She was killed during what was supposed to be a wellness check. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, the Assembly of First Nations is joining the growing chorus of calls for a better explanation from police. 26-year-old Chantel Moore was shot five times by police and died Thursday morning in New Brunswick. Why did they shoot the B.C.-raised Indigenous woman, mother of a five-year-old girl? Outraged family and Native leaders are demanding answers. This young woman was shot by a police officer, someone who's supposed to protect her. Uh, We need immediate answers. Chantel had only recently moved back to Edmonston, New Brunswick, where she was born. Police say they were called to her home to do a wellness check as she was being harassed on social media. The woman in question just uh, opened the door and uh, attacked the, the, the officer, ran, went after the officer with a knife in her hand. So the officer had uh, no choice to back up and to use his firearm to protect himself. Chantel's family say the shooting makes no sense. They say she had a slight build and was never violent, prompting them to question if racism played a role. I, I believe it has. I mean, there's there's a lot of racism. Everywhere I go, I've, I've had to deal with it all my life. A single mom just getting her feet under her, escaping addiction from Vancouver Island, moving to New Brunswick to start a new life, and it was working out for her. The police-involved shooting and death is now under investigation by Quebec's Independent Police Investigation Agency. I don't understand how... Someone dies during a wellness check. Frankly, uh, along with many Canadians, Indigenous peoples living in Canada, uh, politicians, I'm pissed, I'm outraged. A GoFundMe is helping to raise money for Moore's daughter, Gracie, while a growing online petition is demanding criminal charges against the officer who shot and killed Chantel Moore. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up ahead, a father's dramatic account of a near-death experience. I was like, I'm just like, please, like, just let me save one of my girls. Why he says he used up all of his angels the day his truck ended up in the lake with his daughters in the back seat. Also tonight, one happy puppy rescued after disaster in Norway. Traffic is in good shape both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. But keep in mind, lane closures overnight for ongoing maintenance from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. 
Remember that incredible landslide in Norway? Well, now watch this rescue. A member of the Royal Norwegian Air Force descends from a helicopter to airlift a dog that survived the catastrophe. On Wednesday, a slide nearly a kilometer wide swept eight homes into the sea. Officials said no one was harmed and all residents were evacuated from the buildings. Another amazing rescue to tell you about. A Chilliwack father says the Mythbusters TV show is partly responsible for saving his and his daughter's lives. Dennis Saulnier was taking his two- and four-year-olds out for ice cream when his truck was run off the road by a suspected drunk driver and started sinking into Cultus Lake. John Hua reports. In a situation when every second matters... That's the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced in my life, not knowing where those little girls were because they relied on, on me to keep them safe. Dennis Saunier's only thought, save his daughters from their sinking truck. I couldn't, I couldn't give up. This father's nightmare started with a Saturday night out for dinner and ice cream with his girls when a suspected drunk driver ran Saunier off the road right into Cultus Lake. That wasn't the time to, to freak out and worry. It was just like, just do what I could. Oh my God, it's coming up under the windshield. That's when this video of Mythbusters surfaced in Sonia's mind. He unbuckled all their seatbelts, planning to let the truck fill up to even out the pressure. Worried they were sinking too deep, he punched out the sunroof and the water came rushing in. It's like 20 fire hoses. All the door seals blew in and it was just like water came from every which direction. When the dad reached back for his daughters, that's when his only moment of panic set in. I didn't know where my girls were. Um, sorry. Sonia had no choice but to come up for air. He desperately tried to dive back down, and when he surfaced the second time... I see my little girl's ponytail just floating in the water 10 feet from me. Swam as fast as I could to her. She just started crying, Daddy, Daddy, just latches on to me. I'm like, oh. With two-year-old Brindley in his arms, Sonia would find his older daughter Keegan moments later. Then it was a frantic swim back to shore, where a passerby rushed in to help. When we spin her over on the rocks, uh, she coughs up a bunch of like water, and then she starts crying. And at that moment, I knew everything was going to be fine. Seeing the truck pulled from the lake, it's incredible all three survived. This father sharing his experience so others won't drink and drive. And maybe his story might help save a life. John Hua, Global News, Cultus Lake. In Health Matters tonight, a new study finds high blood pressure greatly increases the risk of dying from COVID-19. Researchers in China looked at nearly 3,000 COVID-19 patients who were admitted to the hospital. They found people with high blood pressure were twice as likely to die from the illness than those with normal levels. And the risk was even higher among those not taking blood pressure medication. Experts say people with high blood pressure should take extra measures to protect themselves during the pandemic. Coming up, a Toronto 10-year-old proves she's got loads of talent. How she wowed the judges singing Lady Gaga. And later, the BC tech company keeping sports bettors honest. All right, let's check back in on the protest at Jackpool Plaza. That's where Paul Johnson is live. He's been there since this thing started. And Paul, if social media is to be believed, 
There's almost an air of, of uh, joyful celebration down there. G- give us an idea of what the feeling is among the crowd. This is a positive, peaceful, uplifting event, despite the subject matter and despite a lot of the stories that we've been hearing, uh, which are about apparent cases of racial profiling and racial injustice. But one really important headline, I was talking about this earlier, and Justin, let's zoom in and take a look at the faces here. This is disproportionately a movement of the young. I mean, I've seen a few people here who are middle-aged and over, but they're very few and far between. I would bet the average age here right now is 25 or possibly younger. And I think that's a really important thing that I would imagine politicians, policymakers, and people who hold power or expect to in the future ought to pay attention to. Again, this has been quite a peaceful rally so far. We talked to the police earlier. They said they didn't expect that there was going to be any trouble. In fact, we haven't even seen any police so far from our vantage point. They haven't been needed. Back to you guys. They said they'd keep a low profile down there for sure. Thanks very much, Paul. Hard not to be inspired when you uh, hear some of the messages coming out of that rally. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon now for a look at our weather forecast. Uh, Hoping for some sunshine at some Mm -hmm. point this weekend, Christy. Yeah, so the last couple days we've been advertising what was going to be a wet and cool weekend, and it is going to be cool, and we are going to see a bit of rain, but it's not all bad news, that's for sure. So let me break it down. First, though, we're still on flood watch for the Cornell-Williams Lake area, but what has changed today is that there's now a high stream flow advisory in effect for all of that northeastern portion of the province, so that's north of Prince George, right up into Fort Nelson and the BC Peace River area. That's because we're going to see significant rainfall through the weekend. So tonight, through Monday up to 80 millimeters potential so potentially so there is concern for rising waters at rivers as well as destabilizing some uh, um, of the sides of the rivers. so tomorrow the bulk of the rainfall will push up into those northern regions you can see quite a band that begins to develop from Alberta through northern BC now for southern BC yes we'll see cloud and a few showers tomorrow but really the bulk of that moisture shifts north of our area and we'll start to see some breaks in the clouds still a slight chance of showers, but certainly much lighter later tomorrow and on Sunday. So there's the bulk of the rainfall in through the north, also risk of thunderstorms. Uh, We will see a few showers in this region and again, mainly in the morning for south coast region, although we do have a risk of thunderstorms later in the day, but certainly some breaks late Saturday and on Sunday. Wow, that's a big turnaround for our weekend. And I'll leave you with our weather window for tonight, central windows weather window, which is a flat rainbow. New to me, I've not seen one like this, but thank you to Heather Chapman for sending that from Ladysmith. Back to you guys. All right. Thanks, Christy. A young Canadian star has been born on America's Got Talent. It was amazing. It was breathtaking. You're 10 years old. That's impossible to sing like that. That is Roberta Battaglia from Brampton, Ontario. She wowed the judges with a powerful performance of Shallows by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Battaglia now moves on to the live round of season 15. Good luck to her. What a voice. Yes, amazing. Amazing.
All right, uh, Squire is here now. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, Squire? Well, you might remember four years ago, Colin Kaepernick was basically ostracized by the NFL for taking a knee during national anthems because of racism and police brutality. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. Uh, to me, this is something that has to change. Now the NFL says it was wrong in the way it handled players who've been protesting and speaking out like Kaepernick did. Look forward to that. Also tonight, satellite debris. Yeah. Here and uh, yeah, bit of a surprise from the NFL today acknowledging what is going on in North America today. Yeah, about four years too late. Mm -hmm. I might add. Uh, NFL boss Roger Goodell said today the league has been wrong in not supporting its players who peacefully protested racism and police brutality four years after former San Francisco quarterback Colin Kaepernick was basically ostracized from the league for taking a knee as a protest during national anthems, which other players followed and the NFL frowned upon. Goodell now says the NFL condemns racism. Tomorrow night in Vegas, the UFC 250 main event is Montreal's Felicia Spencer against Brazil's Amanda Nunez. It'll be for Nunez's featherweight title. Nunez actually is a champ in two weight classes. She is also the bantamweight queen. The pressure is actually much higher when, when you get to the level that she's at right now. She's got two divisions which is unbelievable. And literally everybody in those divisions are breaking down film on her and everybody's training on how to beat her. It's, it's never harder than when you're on top. A Vancouver company is becoming a big player in the sports betting industry as well as a big player in the world of darts. Just like in real estate, online sports gambling is all about location, 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 at least in the United States, where it is illegal to place a bet across state lines. You must physically be in that state with your device. That's where Vancouver-based company GeoComply comes in. They've developed a software that prevents anyone from getting that bet through from out of state. Those red balloons on the map are all illegal attempts. Every day there are thousands and thousands of very serious attempts to fake location for whatever reason. And every time there's a new operating system from Apple or from Google or a new faking location app is suddenly developed somewhere, we have to find it, we have to model it, we have to work out what we need to do to detect it and stop it, and we've got to deploy it before the fraudsters do. GeoComply is really the only company in the world with this niche in the market, and it's been very successful. And with more states in the U.S. looking to get up and running with legal gambling, the future looks even brighter. Let's face it, gambling brings in millions in tax revenue, so each legal bet brings in more for the state. But what it's really doing is it's taking existing play away from the illegal market and putting it into the, the, the licensed market. So it's regulated, it's taxed, and the social cost of gambling, at least that there is some proceeds going back into the community. Of course, COVID-19 basically stopped sports gambling in its tracks and GeoComply felt the pinch. So they went out and helped create their own event, a remote darts league pitting pros from around the world playing from their own homes. Not only did it give gamblers something to place wagers on, it gave GeoComply some visibility amongst its clientele. To me, it's, it's great if anybody steps up to, to make it 
you know, to, so to keep us guys, I guess, on top of our game by getting an opportunity to play each other. GeoComply has also launched a new division called GeoGuard, which provides content protection for companies like Amazon and BBC. It's a Vancouver business success story, which is especially nice to hear in times like these. Very delay global sports. Okay. Okay. You guys. Thanks, All good. <laughs> Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11, Jay. Thanks very much, Sophie. We'll have much more in today's massive anti-racism rally in Vancouver and across the country. Police estimate that at its peak, as many as 10,000 people attended, and at this point is peaceful. Jordan Armstrong will have a full wrap of the day's activities. And Vancouver police are asking for the public's help in locating a man and a woman accused in a particularly brutal sexual assault. We'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. Sounds good. Thanks, Jay. All right, we'll have our salute to our healthcare heroes and satellite debris coming up next. Full protest against racism and police brutality has attracted thousands to downtown Vancouver today. Jordan Armstrong has been covering the rally at Jack Pool Plaza since it started. Jordan, things are supposed to be wrapping up at 7 o'clock. How does it look? I think it's going to go on a bit longer than 7 o'clock, Sophie. I have to tell you, Rob Fleming's email inbox is about to explode. Rob Fleming, of course, the education minister. Just a few moments ago, one of the speakers gave out his email address to the crowd and urged everybody to email the minister and demand that Canadian black history be taught in B.C. schools. A few moments ago, I also spoke to one of the people who came down for this protest, and I asked him what he hopes the takeaway is after the protest ends. Have a listen. The action plan has to be something along the lines of probably in you know police reform. You know, education is one of the areas where it starts. It's the whole system that's that's built a certain way, and, and it's hard to dismantle or, or pivot from that. So very loud down here, but so far very peaceful. I'll send it back to you. It still looks like a lot of people down there. Thanks, Jordan. Sure does. Thanks. Well, we heard earlier that COVID-19 numbers for BC were very encouraging today, and that has a lot to do with all of our healthcare heroes working hard on the front lines for BC. And tonight we recognize another one of your nominations. This one comes to us from Derek and Betty Osman, and they are so proud of the work their daughter, Krista Whitebread, is doing. Krista is a nurse in Fort Nelson. She works long hours at the community health center and at the hospital. Her passion is health care. She's been a nurse for more than a dozen years, and her compassion for her patients and care for her community always shines through. Krista is also a mother of two, and she and her husband recently opened their home to fostering as well. Krista, your parents are so proud of you. They added all those O's in the so. <laughs> and we thank you for all you're doing during this challenging time. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, send an email to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. And don't forget to include a little story about why they are your hero and send us some pictures as well. Always got to be clear about the direct quotes, especially when it's so. Okay, let's check in now with Squire and Satellite Debris on a Friday afternoon. Okay, we're going to do a bit of a quick Satellite Debris. I'm going to start out with a um, couple of commercials. One, a new one from Just Eat, which uh, perhaps your favorite boy band will have something to do with. And also one from Skittles. Everybody. Crunch out, man. Wet your 
Just eat. <coughs> Tap the app and get that mini fist pump feeling. Oh my gosh, I'm back again. Wait, I'm not eating Skittles. Hey, I'm getting ready to do work. Reflect the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> I like that. One. That one has always been very weird. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's one that's a bit weird too. Uh, from Snickers. Action. Sweetheart, don't look at me like that. It's going to be amazing. This is a disaster. Who's the genius who puts a girl in heels on a subway grate? Miss Monroe, eat a Snickers. Why? You get a little cranky when you're hungry. Better? Much better. This scene will never make the cut. Morons. And the great uh, Eugene Levy. He wasn't wrong, though. Heels on a great, not a good idea. Bad idea. <laughs> no, you got to dig up bad idea jeans. That was an old SNL skit we were talking about the other day. <laughs> anyway, don't do that. It's weird. Last word on weather before we go. Do we have Christy? No, we probably don't. Okay, she's there. Hi. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, guys. Uh, so we are expecting the rain to develop late this evening. It will be wet Saturday morning, but breaks of sunshine later tomorrow. Back to you guys. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of the News Hour. We're going to stay with the rally down at uh, Jackpool Plaza through the next hour. We hope you stay with us on BC One.